We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Topic number two, little, little bit less, um, well, a lot less good news. I think it's good news that the quarterback was named. Topic number two is obviously Avery Davis went down with a uh, a uh, season-ending injury, and he injured his left knee today. Uh, or I mean, yeah, did hurt his right knee today. It basically is the opposite knee that he hurt last year. Yeah, and it was a torn ACL. And we were told yesterday that he limped off the practice field and. I got a call last night from somebody who said that Avery told a team was telling teammates that when he when he got injured, it was I believe a non-contact injury that it hurt a pop. And so I was like, oh boy, that's not good. Hopefully he didn't. My my pr- prayer was like it just it was in his head because of the way he hurt himself last year. But uh, they got their news confirmed last night uh, after the swelling went down. They're able to do an MRI and he has a torn ACL, so he is out for the year. We'll get into what it means for Notre Dame and all that, but the first thing, Sean, is just, I mean, you don't want it to happen to any kid, but it it, it definitely stings even more when you talk about a kid like Avery who has done done everything right, who's done, um, you know, just whatever they've asked him to do. He played quarterback. They moved him to running back. They moved him to corner. They moved him to receiver. He never complained. He never said boo. He be, he worked himself into being a – he was recruited as a quarterback and worked himself into being a captain as a wide receiver and just a great representative of, of what this institution is and what this football program is supposed to be about. And it's really heartbreaking to see him go down again after all the hard work he had to get back in it. But he his season is now officially over. Yeah. Speaking for the young man, uh, hearts and prayers go out to him. Uh, it's very tough. Everything he put into getting back and getting back on the practice field earlier than expected, getting back, you know, being ready for Ohio State when people expected him maybe to miss the first two or three games. Most importantly, what he means to this team as a captain and as a leader in that wide receiver room. There are so many facets to the loss with his injury. But I just want to focus on the young man. And this is why, as a fan, I'm very slow to be critical 
of any player, you know, despite what they say, we might say some things in a game, they miss the play or they drop the ball. But at heart, as fans, we support the young men that are part of the program because football is one of those sports and most major sports are like this, but anytime you play a sport, it is almost the closest correlation to going through or dealing with life situations that you're going to get until you get beyond football and start dealing with life situations. Like Mm -hmm. uh, I believe uh, it was Duke's, you know, women's basketball coach that went viral recently. Mm-hmm. He was talking to her team, and she was Kara Lawson, isn't it? Kara Lawson, yeah. yeah. She was sharing with her team, you know, life is not easy, and it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder, right. and we have to learn how to handle hard better. And yeah. this is just another situation for that young man. And man, the person he is with everything you just said about what mm-hmm. he's going through, right? Has never ever complained. That lets us know that he's going to be successful. Even if he comes back and Mm -hmm. decides to play again, he's going to be successful. He's going to overcome. If he decides to go into his career, do something else, he's going to be successful because of the character and the integrity that he has as a young man. And that is a credit to him, Mm -hmm. his family. And, you know, yes, he's at Notre Dame, but he's the type of kid. He probably would have been the same way if he had gone to another university. True, but he does have that Notre Dame degree with him, and a kid like Avery is is gonna thrive with that. And I'm gonna Mm -hmm. make another point about this too, Sean. This injury is a lot like the Justin Ross one. This is another reason why I will contend. This is why I am pro NIL if it's done right. If NIL is done right and it's not being done right, right, correctly right now, this is good for young people because Avery is a guy that had an NFL future. Now would it have been as a middle round pick, a late round pick an undrafted free agent. Somebody was going to sign him and give him a chance to play professional football. That's going to be really hard to do now. Okay. Really hard to do now. And that's why I believe NIL is good for kids like him because he would have been able to not only walk out of Notre Dame with a degree, but also an opportunity to have something to say, Hey, look, you know, you were part of a bigger, you know, aspect that really generated a lot of revenue to this sport, to this institution. And you were able to use your name, image, and likeness to, to kind of walk out here with a degree, with tons of learning experiences, tons of opportunities, tons of relationships, but also an opportunity to walk out with some money to say, Hey, look, I'm, I can't play football, but I'm going to go start a business. And you know what? I've got a couple hundred thousand dollars that I earned over my career in NIL that I now have the seed money to go start that business if you're smart. Right. And so those are the things that, that I think uh, are why I'm a pro NIL guy. If done correctly, done correctly, doesn't mean you're using it to buy recruits. That's not doing it correctly. Right. Doing it correctly is taking care of the kids that you have on your roster. Now that is correctly and giving them opportunities to, to work, to earn the money, to do different things. So that's, that's my little NIL rant for the day, Sean. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. People have asked about Avery and whether or not he is someone who can come back because he lost a year because of the so you have to look at him as a fifth year senior right because the 2020 season did not count for him so you have to look at him as a fifth year senior and as a fifth year senior he is a kid who missed a season because of a uh, a, a normal red shirt right so he has an opportunity for a medical red shirt sure. to be a sixth year senior which would technically be his seventh season at Notre Dame i just don't know if that would make a lot of sense for him. And it's not a guarantee that his waiver will be granted by the NCAA. His circumstance has to go before an NCAA committee that has to determine whether or not to give him an opportunity to play again. I don't know if that's something Avery's going to want to do. I don't know if that's something Notre Dame would want to do. Like, do we really want to put him back out there for this? Um, But it's something they're going to have to decide and discuss if, first of all, Avery's got to decide if he wants to do that. I don't, I don't think now is the time to have that conversation with him if you're Notre Dame. And I doubt that they will right now. It's like the kid's dealing with enough. You don't need to throw that on him. And what he may want to do right now may not be what he wants to do in six months. Because remember, there's a time when Sean Crawford was ready to walk away. Yeah. And he's like, I'm done. Like the lady, I'm, I'm done. But then, you know, you get away. You're like, no, what? No, I can't go. I'm not going out like this. And, you know, and, and so maybe Avery has a similar decision. Hey, you know what? Might as well get my second master's degree. Be here seven years. Yeah. You know, it's that old Joe. Hey, lots of people go to school for seven years. Yeah, they're called doctors, right? Well, hey, that's Avery Davis, right? He can walk out of Notre Dame with what maybe two master's degrees after yeah. seven years. Um, you know, so uh, that's certainly something that that will be considered. But now it's just not the time to have that conversation with Avery, and now it's not the time for Avery to making those decisions. Uh, you know, he it would be an emotional decision right now, and and you know he needs to worry about getting the knee repaired first. Can he play football? You know what I mean? Moving forward. I mean, 
his now his good knee is now the one that is you know he is re- still rehabbing to kind of get back from the injury last year. So I think those are those are areas where I say Sean like those decisions will be down the road. But we've had a lot of people asking about it, and you know it, it is an option. It's not guaranteed, but he does have that. Now he would not have had an option if he would have been like Tariq Bracy. You know, where Tree Brace has already played five years. Right. You know, he just got that fifth year because of COVID. He's already used all four years. I don't believe Avery has. So he Avery played in 18, 19, 20 doesn't count, and then 21. So he's only played three years. And then he redshirted in 17. So technically he has that year, but it would have to be one of those things that's granted by the NCA, I believe, because of the the fact that it's a medical hardship on top of the red shirt, the normal red shirt that he already had. Yeah. It's tough. You know, this game, man, is is brutal. Yeah. It's absolutely brutal. And one of the things, when you're sitting there on the sideline, I know I was thinking this the entire time I was watching the first practice. And I'm watching things, and I'm like, you know, watching guys make moves, and I'm like, man, just stay up. Just stay mm. up. Just stay up. Just stay up. Because we talked about health and how important it was for this team to get through fall camp healthy and specifically at the wide receiver position Mm -hmm. and how encouraged we were to see Avery Davis being a part of that top trio of receivers that went on the field with the first group coming back from that injury. And it's, yeah, yeah. Marcus Freeman said it the best. This is bigger than a loss at a position. This is one of our captains. Right. And one could argue part of the heart and soul of this team. So, you know, they, I'm sure a lot of players are feeling it today and felt it yesterday, and they'll get back to it and rev back up, and their focus will start to be right back on Ohio State in September 3rd. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's that's the game. I mean, that's yeah. what you need to do. Yeah. And he'll, you know he'll be out there every day. Once he gets yeah. the surgery and he's out, able to kind of get around, he'll, he'll be out there every day. Yeah. So now we got to kind of talk, Sean, a little bit about what's next. Right. I mean, I think that's a big part of this. And that's I mean, like, look, it's next man in and, and yeah. you, you hate it and you mourn for your teammate and you love your teammate. You support your teammate. You're there for your teammate. But at the same time, it's like, hey, you know, we, we, we got to practice today. You know, we, we've got to step up. We got to get to it. Uh, Marcus Freeman also talked today that Deion Colsey had a bit of a uh, what do you say, a, a strained. PCL, PCL, yeah, right. he'll be back early next week. Right. So yeah. you can't. Here's the thing: the one thing about this is, is we're going to list you a lot of things that Notre Dame can do to be okay after losing Avery, but they're at the point now, Sean, where they can't sustain another injury or a player not panning out. I mean, no. it's it's a receiver; it's all hands on deck, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of where it is. Notre Dame is now down to six scholarship receivers. Marcus Freeman did announce that Joe Wilkins is is potentially back for Ohio State. I find that a little hard to believe. I doubt that he's going to be 100%, but I have heard that he's been running this summer, and so I kind of thought it would be more of a middle-of-the-season thing. We'll see if he's healthy or not. I I don't know what you can expect from him. He's a kid that has had two pretty devastating lower body injuries. How is is explosive is going to be there? Is he more prone to get hurt again? There's just a a, a lot of different aspects of this that you just, just need to kind of get discussed on it. So, I don't know how much I'm willing to count on Avery Joe Wilkins yet, but even if Joe comes back, that's six healthy scholarship receivers, seven if you count Matt Salerno. I mean, and and you don't want to be in a situation where Matt Salerno has to play. So 
Number one, Sean, the biggest impact on this is that the first, the player that this impacts the most, more than any other on the current roster, is Lorenzo Styles. Because Lorenzo was kind of going to be a little bit of a play everywhere kind of guy. He was going to play outside, inside. He stepped into the slot last year when Avery got hurt the first time. And if you remember, and uh, Lorenzo ended the season with an eight catch, 136 yard uh, performance against Oklahoma State. So, you know, obviously that's a that's a part of of the pro, the thing. There is he's now an inside guy now. Now he'll still move and he'll play outside, and do some things, but he's going to get a lot more chunk of his snaps in the slot now, I believe, than he would have before. And I think the second player that this impacts too is Brayden Lindsey for the exact same reason. Lorenzo is going to kind of eat up snaps between the two positions. Avery was going to be an inside guy. Braden was going to be an outside guy. And then Lorenzo was going to take snaps of both. Yeah. Now you're in a situation where Braden's now got to step up and be that guy as the X. He's going to have to maybe give you 10 to 12 to 15 more snaps a game. Yeah. Right. And, and give you high quality snaps. So to me, the first two thing right there, Lorenzo and Braden have got to step up and be guys for Notre Dame this season. If they're going to overcome because Avery Davis, it's all, we talked about all the good things he did. Avery Davis is a really good football player. I mean, he's their leading returning receiver for the last two years. He's a kid with 60-plus career catches, 800-plus career yards, You know, has had been a money player for them. So there's a, there's there's not just leadership that's got to get per, replaced, Sean. There's yeah. production that's got to get replaced as well. Absolutely. And it's going to fall on Lorenzo and Braden first and foremost at, that, at those two positions to step up for him. The one thing I will say that is a positive – that I'm much more confident that this staff and this coach, Chancey Stuckey, is the one being being entrusted with getting guys ready for whatever changes and new accountability and new responsibilities are coming their way. With guys switching roles, adding things to their plate, you know, taking some things away from other plates. I'm glad it's Chancey Stuckey that's in position along with the rest of the offensive staff to figure things out. You mentioned Georgia, and when they had these similar situations last year, they noticed that their strength was their tight ends. Notre Dame has a very similar strength. You heard Marcus Freeman really, really talk about, and Tommy Reese echoed this. Really, No, not Marcus, but it was really Tommy that talked about both of his freshman tight ends. And we talked about it in our first intel piece. Like when you watch Holden Stays and Eli Raritan run, they're going to be a problem. They might need to catch up, specifically in blocking schemes and yeah. knowing what to do when it's 11, yeah. 11 on the field. Yeah. But once they yeah. get it, the natural talent yeah. is there. For sure. They're going to be a problem. Sure. So I'm interested in seeing how the staff now goes about setting up the well, identity yeah. of the team and what yeah. it's going to be based upon this injury. Yeah. So like for me, to me, Sean, there's there's a several factors to this. Obviously, we talked about the two we discussed, you know, even at receiver, there's still more I need to see and how guys step up this rest of this fall camp is going to determine exactly what you're talking about. Because yeah. like one of the things I wrote about in my article at Irishbreakdown.com was this is a great opportunity for Tobias Merriweather. And and it's also pressure for Deion Colsey, like Deion, it's, it's grow up time, buddy. Like you got the talent, you got to stop holding back. You know, you yeah. got to stop, you know, not letting loose. You got to stop, you know, just not, you can't have these bad practices, these inconsistent practices. You can't just be a guy that sometimes looks great, sometimes doesn't. You can't be right. that guy. You got to step up and play. You know, so if 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 Tobias steps up, which so far he has, if he's ready to play, you know, 30, 40 snaps a game, if, if, 
if Joe Wilkins can give you 15, 20 snaps a game, if Tobias Merriweather is ready to give you legitimate 20 plus snap, 15, 20 snaps a game, maybe more, then that allows you to then move Jaden Thomas around more. And, you know, Jaden Thomas right now is going to kind of have to learn the boundary. But if those guys step up in the boundary, then now all of a sudden Jaden can be now part of that three-man rotation to the field and then occasionally let Lorenzo go back backside. Occasionally let JD, JT go backside. So those guys, Tobias and Dion stepping up are huge, Sean, because if they do, then I don't think this necessarily changes your identity a ton mm-hmm. because you still have plenty of 11 personnel stuff you can do. You know, and look – People say, hey, you're down to, to six scholarship receivers. That's one more than most teams play in their rotation on a game day. Yeah. Right? So it hurts in other aspects we've talked about in the past, you know, scout team and different aspects like that. But you can somewhat salvage that in practice by doing more one, good one-on-ones and, you know, different things to make sure your best players are going, you know, your best corners and safeties are going against your best receivers and such. So, but if they don't step up and they, and I don't mean step up just like, okay, they can go out there and take snaps, but step up is like, Hey, look, we can throw the ball to this guy. He can go make plays. We count, we can count on him and trust him. Then I don't think your philosophy changes a ton. I think what will have to change, even in that perfect world scenario where all those guys step up and, and either, cause they don't have to be stars, right? I mean, Lorenzo's right. got to step up and be that dude. Mm-hmm. Braden's got to be consistently his best version. You know, then between you know Tobias and JT and and Dion and maybe Joe Wilkins, there's a level of production there that needs to happen. And but they don't all four have to be dudes, right? Like that's not how it works. Like all right. six dudes don't have to be dudes. They have to just you know find their roles, and somebody's got to step up. And you also have Michael Mayer, who's still your guy. But even in that situation where that all six of them provide you know prove themselves ready to play, yeah, you're still in a situation where. I got a question whether or not you're you're able to to maybe play eleven as much as you were going to, even in a scenario. So then you look at a couple other things. Uh, you know, number one, do you say okay, now our twelve personnel package has to become a greater part of what we're going to do beyond what it was going to be as primarily a run game alignment? You know, uh, does this mean there's an opportunity for Kevin Bauman to play more? Does it mean that Kane Barong, who right now is only really impacting the pass game because he's still working back from his injury? So he hasn't been doing a lot of blocking. It's been mostly route running. Heard he's been having an impact in the past game. Mm-hmm. Eli Raritan and Holden Stace have both looked good this spring at different times. They're young. They're not going to know the whole offense. So how can you fit them into certain roles? Yeah. Do you fit them both into the same role? Do you find a niche for both of them? You know what I mean? So like so between the two of them, they can handle one type of tight end role. Yeah. Or do you say, Eli, this is what you're going to do. Holden, this is what you're going to do. Those are all the things that they have to think about and figure out. And, and you know, you still have, what, six tight ends, right? I mean, you got Mayer, Bauman, Barong. You have five tight ends. Mayer, Bauman, Barong, and then the two freshmen. So there's plenty of bodies there at tight end. Now, the question there is, is there's they're not a – And Mitchell comes back after, like, week four. Uh, he'll probably be a little later than that, okay. I would think. But even if he comes back, he's more of a blocking tight end at this yeah. point in time, I think, especially coming off the injury. So then it's like, okay, but we know they can do a lot of 12 personnel run the ball. The question, however, is can you go 12 personnel and throw the ball? And can you throw the ball to your second tight end, or is he just going to be a de facto blocker that the defense doesn't have to account for? Because that's not an ideal scenario either. When when you go 12 personnel, and this is something I've complained about in the past, when they'd go 12 personnel, especially in 2020, they never threw to the second or third tight end. Like Tommy Tremble had a decent number of targets, but they were early in the season when he was still the starter. 
he got like six catches in the first game, first or second game. Right. And it was just kind of like, well, you know, it's kind of misleading numbers. It's kind of like the pro-size Josh Adams numbers in 2015. Like, well, that was a great one-two punch. Pro-size went for 1,100 yards, and Josh Adams went for over 700 yards. I'm like, yeah, but they didn't do it at the same time. Like, Josh had like one good game against Texas, and after that he came off the bench and – you know, you know, late in the blowout against UMass and, and had one carry against this team and one carry against – he didn't get his numbers until after J, CJ went down. Right. Right? And so you've got to prove to them. Otherwise, it's like when Notre Dame goes 12 personnel, we really only got to worry about four guys in the pass game. That's it. Makes it a lot easier to stop them. You know, when you don't have a, a receiving core that's got dudes everywhere. It, you right. don't have – Alabama's receiving core from a couple of years ago. You don't have Ohio State's receiving core from last year. You don't have Clemson's receiving core from 2018 to where, yeah, it's only four guys you got to worry about, but they're all four really good dudes. Notre Dame's receiving core isn't there right now. So you have to have that second guy has to be a pass game weapon at times. You have to make teams prepared to defend the second tight end in the pass game. And that's my big concern there, Sean, is so to a degree, I do think that somewhat changes their identity because if you're going to up the 12 personnel volume, then you have to also up the opportunities that that second tight end is going to have in the pass game. And even if it's just early in the year, you force feed it against Cal and Marshall just so the rest of the opponents mm-hmm. know, hey, look, you can't play that. If you don't play that second tight end, look, they had you know combined to have 10 catches in, against Cal and Marshall yeah. in North Carolina or something like that. You know, you're going to have to maybe almost force feed it a little bit early just so it's now on their, their radars moving forward. So even if you have a game where maybe you don't thumb the ball a ton, the defense is is calling you know covered schemes to account for him, as opposed to just saying we're just going to have our defensive end run right down his throat and make sure he's you know he has to block him in pass you know pass pro situations. So I think all of that stuff factors into it, and also running back, Sean. I mean, the twenty one personnel becomes a much bigger part of their offensive package now, especially if Logan Diggs can be ready for Ohio State. Like right. that that revelation last week that Logan Diggs may be ready for the opener and Joe Wilkins may be ready for the opener takes a lot of the pressure off of you know the, the the rest of it if they are in fact ready because you now have three running backs ready to go you now have seven receivers ready to go six guys that were you know recruited as scholarship guys and Matt Salerno is not a bum but Matt Salerno is also not a guy you are going to go beat Ohio State with as you're as a guy taking 40 snaps a game right we can be honest about that but it's a situation where Sean, where between 11 personnel, between 12 personnel, between 21 personnel, 21, 11 personnel, one back. So just for a reminder who those who don't know what this means, when we say those numbers, the first number stands for the number of running backs on the field. The second number stands for the number of tight ends on the field. And then that's whatever's left over for a receiver to get the five. So 11 personnel is one back, one tight end, three receivers, 12 personnel is one back, two tight ends, two receivers. 21 personnel is two backs, one tight end, two receivers. So that's what that means for those who have not heard that before. I'm not sure what that means. But 21 personnel is a part of this too. Now, one of the things we say, well, hey, move Chris Tyree to slot. No, not an option. Chris Tyree caught, I think, zero passes beyond like six or seven yards last year. It may, no, one. He caught one around 10, and it was a little leak out of the backfield that he was like literally waiting on the ball. He's not a receiver. No. He's a running back that can catch the football. That's not the answer. Now, does that mean there aren't things you can do with him in the slot as a running back in your 21 personnel? Yeah, there are, right? There are some things you can do. There are some screens you can throw to him on the perimeter, you know, line him out wide in a stack formation. And if they don't respect him and get out, get that linebacker out, then I'm running a now screen to him right now. If that linebacker gets out, then I'm running. We got recons. We got pass concepts. So what is that? It's an RPO. 
You're in your 21 person. You got Autrick Estimator, Logan Diggs, and running back with Tyler Buckner, who's a weapon at quarterback. And if they want to clog the box, then you get that ball out there and your receiver's better blocked for Chris Tyree because you now got him in space. Yeah. I mean, those there are things they can do like that, but he's not going to be running seam routes. He's not going to be running, you know, taking the top off of a defense with a post route. I don't believe we're going to see that much, if at all. You know, we'll see him on wheel routes. We'll see him on out cuts. We'll see him. I mean, he catches the ball and do those things well, but he's he's not a guy that's just going to go out there and run corner routes all day and, you know, post digs and post curls and, you know, things like that. Just just not his game. But there are things you can do with him. So I think that was already in Notre Dame's offense. 12 personnel and 13 personnel is already in Notre Dame's offense. I think the only thing that changes now is that stuff from a volume standpoint mm-hmm. has to become more prominent now. But it ha- here's the thing, though, Sean. It has to become more prominent. I'm, I'm looking more at tight end right now. Like we're all talking about, oh, the depth of tight end is so great. But the reality is they're in the same boat they are at receiver, meaning guys got to prove themselves still behind the behind Michael Mayer. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, Eli Reardon's got a lot of talent. He still has a lot to prove. Yeah. Holden Stace has a ton of talent. He has a lot to prove. Kane Barong's an athletic kid, four-star kid, all that. He's got a lot to prove. Kevin Bauman, another four-star player. He's got a lot to prove. So, you know, we can talk all day about on paper they've got all these talented tight ends, but outside of Michael Mayer, those guys still got a lot to prove too. So the point is, if this is going to work for Notre Dame, it's not just as simple as plug another guy in. <clears throat> they got to plug somebody in who then steps up his game beyond what they've shown so far. And if that doesn't happen, then Notre Dame's going to be in trouble. If that does happen, then Notre Dame will be able to weather the storm, much like Georgia weathered the storm last year. Because what Georgia's a great example for me. Because Georgia last year, that George Pickens got hurt. Kyrus Jackson was banged up all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost uh, uh, Eric Gilbert, kind of left the team for a while. Then Darnell Washington gets hurt. So what did they do? Obviously, Brock Bowers was a big part of what they did. Uh, they were able to get other receivers to step up, and then they used their running backs more in the pass game. And J- James Cook was always a guy that they was a pass game weapon, but they kind of upped that a little bit last year. Mm. You know, So they were able to kind of over overtake it. And then the big thing is, is at the end of the day, Sean, this puts even more pressure on the fact that you better go out there and run the football. You know, that, that biggest way to take pressure off the receivers, run the flipping football. And, and that doesn't mean you're going to run it 60 times now. It just means you better be good at it to make teams respect it, to make sure that you're getting more one-on-ones on the outside. Those are the big things. So there's a lot to this, a lot to this, Sean. But at the end of the day, the key, other guys got to step up now. Somebody's got – Lorenzo Styles got to step up. Yeah. Braden Lindsay's got to step up. Tobias Merriweather's got to step up. Deion Colsey has to step up. JT Daniels has to step up. Or, excuse me, Jaden Thomas needs to step up. Uh, Kevin Bauman. Kane Barong, Eli Raritan, Holden Stakes, Chris Tyree, Logan Diggs, Audric Estime, they all have to step up. But the first topic we talked about is the big thing. If Tyler Buckner is who we think he can be, then I think that is a situation where the reason at the end of the day I've been so confident in Tyler Buckner is, is not that I know he's going to be great. I don't know if he's going to be great. But I do believe if he plays his game, Sean, he is the kind of quarterback that can put the rest of the team on his shoulders. Yeah. And that's the big key. And can I wrap up by saying this, Sean? What a great time for Harry Heastan to come back. Woo! Man, look, you, you could have, that was the best way to wrap things up. Absolutely. His impact, what he's doing with the offensive line and the encouragement Harry Heastan has given more confidence to the running backs that have been here. Like, you don't understand what the running backs have been looking at 
and not have an understanding of what they're looking at. Harry Heastan not only talks to the offensive linemen, you see him talking to the tight ends on running plays. And then he'll go back and talk to the running back and say, yo, this is the way it's supposed to look. So when you get the ball, this is what you're supposed to see. He's so important to the running game. Look, 1,800 total yards, including sack yardage, in the rushing game last year. I think it was like 1,870-something. And he averaged like right under five yards per carry. Now go to 2017 when they had the dominant offensive line. And they couldn't throw. They couldn't throw. And they still almost averaged 300 yards on the ground. Yes, and averaged over six yards a play. Excuse me, a rush that year. 6.25. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you you, – you wrap that up perfectly, and I would like to encourage Notre Dame fans to have, oh, here we go again, type right. of uh, point of view on what happened with Avery Davis. Avery Davis was not there in the spring. Right. Jaden Thomas worked the majority of his time and his reps was in the slot. He was the guy taking the jet sweeps during the spring. He was the guy running the slot. Deion Colsey was the guy outside. And then he was interchangeable with Lorenzo Style, who also got reps in the slot when we were watching mm-hmm. practice in the spring. So this injury comes, and I think they were looking to take the, the next step with the offense. And what this injury does is it kind of brings them back to sure. where they were in the spring. Sure. To say, okay, this these are the combinations we were using in the spring. This is something we're comfortable with. Guys are comfortable with what they have to do, but now they know over the next two weeks they have to be prepared to add things to their plate and, you know, go make plays. Every Look, we said Deion Cozy had to step up in the spring. We said Jaden Thomas had to emerge in the spring. We expected Tobias Merriweather to make an impact sure. at some point because of how talented he is. There's nothing that is in front of us that we didn't expect. As a staff and as a fan base, like if Notre Dame was going to win a national championship, make it to the college football playoff, have a successful season, every everything we're saying today that needs mm-hmm. to happen, we expected that it needed to happen. Right. So this is not this injury is not gloom and doom for mm-hmm. this team. There's plenty of talent in that wide receiver room. Will they go out and execute and make the plays? That's up to them. It's yet to be seen. We can prognosticate all we want to. They're the ones that step on the field on Saturdays, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that are going to have the opportunities to make the play. You talk about how we feel about Tyler Buckner, and you talk about the talent in that wide receiver room connected with the return of Harry Heastan. This might be one of the most, and I say this, this might be one of the most explosive offensive we've seen at Notre Dame. But yeah. And, and, Correct me if I'm wrong, because if you you see it different, that's cool. No. I see Tyler Buckner as the guy that takes Notre Dame's offense to a point where Notre Dame has spurtability. And what I mean by that, I liken it to Golden State, right? There are yeah. a lot of teams that average just as many points per game as Golden State. But Golden mm-hmm. State has that ability to hit you with a quick – 15 zip run sure. in a matter of like two, sure. three minutes. And all of a sudden the game is just out of control. Yeah, Tyler Buckner has that playmaking ability at the quarterback position where we're not sitting watching Notre Dame's offense methodically 
move down the field and use their physical presence and talent to just overwhelm people. No, they have the ability, the ability now in the run game and passing game to step on the field, huh, 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 bam, yeah, bam. Before you know it, they put 21 points on the board and it's still half a quarter to go. Right. So that is something that I think Notre Dame fans should be excited about because I think that's what Tyler Buckner is going to bring to that quarterback position and the offense 2022 and 2023 especially. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So it's interesting. That was a really interesting kind of thread you kind of went on there, Sean, because I think that the interesting thing is you mentioned, like, you didn't have Avery in the spring. No. You had Logan Diggs. Mm-hmm. The expectation going into the 2022 season was you were going to have Avery, but not Logan Diggs. Right. Well, now Logan's coming back sooner than expected. Avery's out. And, you know, and, and so you have people that can maybe step in. Joe Wilkins sounds like he may be back sooner than expected. Yeah. So there are guys there. But, but I again, we both agree that the margin of error is really thin. That's oh, the thing. God. And that's why the line has to play well. There's more pressure on Tyler Buckner now in my opinion, to step up and be that guy. But that's kind of what you always hoped he would be. I think the final piece to this is, is I do think they need to consider making a move. I do. I don't think they can just sit back and and not do something. Because like all the stuff we just talked about is fine and dandy, Sean. It's all great. All sounds good. If it all pans out, wonderful. They're okay. But this is football. This is real life. This is an NCAA, you know, 2023 game, right? No. Where – you know, you can just, oh, that guy got hurt. I'm not going to save this season. I'm going to start it over. And, you know, and, and you, you can't do that, right? Somebody's going to get that da- goat. Somebody's going to have a hamstring that's going to cost them a couple it games. Somebody's going to yeah. sprain an ankle. Somebody's not going to yeah. play well. Something's yeah. going to happen, right? And they need to get another receiver. Now, I've, you know, people say transfer, but no, there's a guy on the current roster yeah. that they need to sit down and have a heart to heart with and say, look, man, we need you to do this for the team, and that's Xavier Watts. Yeah. And I understand Xavier's hesitancy. I do. And he's battling in the mix of safety. But the reality is, with Brandon Joseph, with Ramon Henderson, with DJ Brown, with Houston Griffith, with Justin Walters, with other corners that could move to safety, mm-hmm. they're okay there. And I think Xavier, to me, answers, gives them a, a guy that could, I believe, move, go and play now. Number one, he's played the position before at Notre Dame. They're not going to hand him a playbook. And he's like, what is this nonsense? You know, like, is what is this language you're speaking? He knows it all. He knows Tommy Reese. He knows the plays. He knows the calls. 
He knows all that type of stuff. You're going to have to promise him he's going to play, though. And that's a big thing. And you're going to have to force him onto the field. And I think that they should because you know my stance on this, Sean. I've always thought Xavier Watts can play receiver. I've always had confidence in him. Yeah. And he can block and he can do stuff after the – at the very least, you can give him 15 snaps a game against Ohio State if the need is there because of other situations. And he's going to block his butt off and you can throw him a couple screens and he better watch out. You know, he might be able to do something with it. Right. Right. I mean, you you know he can give you that. And then as yeah. he grows and matures and gets more comfortable, then you can kind of go over there. Perhaps you can cross-train him a little bit to where if there is an injury at safety, he's still prepared to go play there if the need is there. But I think at least for the first couple weeks, you got to move him and move him. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, let him learn it. Because you can't move them and then not play them because you're screwing them over at that point in time. Because by 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 cross-training them, you've now taken them out of the safety competition, right? So if you're going to move them to receiver, then you need to play them a receiver. And I think Xavier can help. Now, the bummer is he's going to have to le- lose that number four if that happens, right? Because he that was his number in high school, and he moved finally moved to number four. He's got to yeah. move away from that. But I think he can help. I think he can play right now. I think he can give you snaps to the field. As part of a, he can give you some Z snaps in the slot. It can give you some X snaps, meaning he could play where Braden plays. He could play where Lorenzo does in the slot. Lorenzo can play both. So you can have three guys for two. Now that also allows you to use Jaden Thomas more to the boundary if that need arises because Dion and or Tobias are not stepping up, right? So now you potentially have Joe Wilkins, you know, Tobias, JT, and, and, and Dion that can all play in the boundary. Tobias can also play the field if all those other guys step up. Jaden Thomas can play all over. Yeah. You know, and now you've got Xavier that can play. And Xavier played some W in the past. That's not where I'd put him, but he has played some W in the past. So I think adding an athlete like Xavier Watts can help. Not And, and again, when I say help, it's not about helping you get numbers back to normal. Yeah. It's not moving him over there so the scout team has a better receiver to go against that's not the move to make. If that's what you're going to do with him, leave him where he is because that hurts your football team because he's going to help you on defense. He's going to play on defense in some capacity. To me, if you're going to make this move, you have the ability to make it at safety. You have the move making a corner. You're fine there. You got plenty of numbers and plenty of talent in the secondary. You move him to, to receiver and and you, you say, hey, look, dude, you're going to play. Yes, you got to get caught up and you got to do this, but we're moving you here with the, the anticipation you're going to play. The first couple practices that he's a receiver, I'm designing a ton of plays to get him the ball, just so he gets his confidence. Saying, "Hey, man, we're, we're you know we're we're doing this so you can help us." So, like the first time he's on the field in a practice on offense, yeah. he's getting a jet sweep, a reverse, a screen, something. I'm throwing him a go route. I'm telling him, "Hey, we're coming right to you, dude." Right? This is our. This is sort of like a symbolic. You know, it's like Sean, like when you're a kid. It, you know, shake on it. You know what I mean? Or, right. you know, some kind of blood oath or whatever you want to do. You can go back in the day. Like, this is our oath to you, man. We're showing you. This is how we're sealing the deal. We're getting you to rock. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. Yo, I That's agree. what I would do. And I would reference um, something that I actually saw earlier today before the show. You talked about the pressure being on Tyler Buckner. I, I would say there's more pressure on Tommy Reese to bring comfort to this offense right now. Like when everybody's thinking about losing Avery, what needs to be done? It reminds me of what Coach Reed has gone through with all the buzz about losing Tyreek Hill. 
Like, oh my God, what is the, he's been so important to the offense. Like, what are you going to do? And I saw him come out today with a fullback. I haven't seen Patrick Mahomes with a fullback since he's been in Kansas City. But the first three plays were fullback runs and play action. And he's saying this running game has to be more important now that we don't have that guy. He is finding a way to bring comfort to his quarterback and the rest of his offense to say, we're still going to be able to produce. And Tommy Reese has that task. With all the moving parts or whether it's bringing Xavier Watts over, which I'm all for, I think both of us were for that, even going back to the spring. <laughs> you know, And you know he pushed back on it because he wanted to be on the defensive side of the ball. But if he is selfless, like Avery Davis, he will recognize, you know what, my team really needs me right now at this position. So I'm going to make the move to go back and help them in the wide receiver room. But I think there's pressure on Tommy Reese to bring some comfort to the offensive side of the ball, whether it's with certain packages or allowing Tyler Buckner to feel comfortable with everything going into that Ohio State game. I don't want, want it to be about, you know, just the loss of the players and what right. the players have to do. This is going to come down to Tommy Reese really looking in the room and looking at all the tools he has and saying, how can I effectively put this successful offense together? Yeah, He, he has the instructions, you know, per se, with his playbook and his mind. He has the ability, but how he goes about putting it together, is he going to be the guy that thinks he can do it on his own and it takes four hours? Or is he going to be the guy that's honest enough with to look at the actual plans and see every <laughs> everything that they ask him to do? And say, oh, okay, if I just follow the instructions, you know, I can do this in no time. It's, mm-hmm. it's just two different ways of looking at it. He can look at it and say, oh, I need to go totally to the left now. Like, we don't have this. Or he can look at it and say, hey, like we said, we did this in the spring. Right. <laughs> we worked all spring on right. this offense and executing it without Avery. Big right. loss. That would have been a little bit more that we could have done as far as switching and being more versatile and moving Lorenzo around. Probably can't do that as much as we right. would like to, but still, we can be impactful and dangerous and explosive. Look, Sean, here's the deal, right? Like Notre Dame returns four players that had either at least seven catches or 100 yards against yeah. Oklahoma State. Right. Right? Three of those four guys come back. Yeah. We're obviously talking about Michael Mayer, Chris Tyree, and Lorenzo Styles. Mm-hmm. The, the starting field receivers from the bowl game are back, right? I, I mean, like they're, they're – there's this isn't a sugarcoating. Uh, oh no, they're perfectly fine. We're not saying that. No, we're saying this is also isn't the end of the world. But guys got to st- you know again, guys got to step up. I, like the Avery, the, Xavier Watts thing, I totally understood why Xavier Watts said no the first time. Number one, he wasn't given an ultimatum. He was told where do you want to play, and he said defense. Why? Because he's getting a shot at to play defense. Right. Looking at offense, it's like I got to move back there. I got to battle Braden. I got to battle Lorenzo. I got to battle Avery when he comes back for playing time. Uh, it doesn't look as good no. as safety where I've already shown that I can play and they're going to play me. Right. And so I, I get it. That's why if you're going to, if you're going to make this move, it, it's got to be it with the intention of he's going to play. And I'm okay with that because I mean, you, you know, I could be wrong on this, but I've always felt the rent that Xavier was a better offensive player than he was a defensive player yeah. in the right system. 
And I think the role that you'd use him use him for would be one that you can definitely get some value from Xavier Watts. And then as he gets more and more comfortable, then he can do different things. But I think so. The the moral of the story is Sean. There's plenty they can do. Yeah, guys got to step up, right? And you know it's funny. Somebody had said earlier, like Notre Dame hasn't had an explosive offense in a long time, and I want to be like, well, they had one not that long ago in 2017. They had one not that long ago in 2015. In those two yeah. years, um, yeah, it was a situation where they had a lot of injuries both of those years. Yeah. They had a lot of injuries receiver in 2017. They had a lot of injuries at running. I mean, there's one point in time where they're on the road playing the number two run defense in the country, a team that won 10 games, and in the second half of the game, they're down to like their fifth running back, fourth running back. Remember that? Because yeah. Josh uh, Tony Jones got hurt the week Tony before against BC. Yeah. Right. So he was already out. Right. Adams got hurt at hat in the first half. Dex came in, played a little bit, caught a touchdown. He gets hurt. Right. And they're running, they're rolling with uh with Deion McIntosh. And yeah. guess what Dion does? He rips off the touchdown. Man. You know what I mean? Like because why? Because other guys around him stepped up. Brandon had a great game. Chase stepped up with some big plays. The offensive line dominated. 2015. I mean, look, 2015, by, before the second game of the year was over, Notre Dame had lost their starting quarterback, their starting running back, their starting tight end. Like, guess what? That was a really explosive offense. Why? You had other great players. Will Fuller was a great player, but you had guys step up. Deshaun stepped up and played well that year. CJ stepped up and Josh Adams stepped up and Chris Brown stepped up and Alizé Mack stepped up. And that's only on the offense. They lost Jerron Jones in fall camp. Yeah, They lost Sean Crawford in fall camp, who was going to be their starting nickel. So this is what good teams do. And that's the point I was making about Georgia is, if you're a good team, you're going to have injuries. What do you do about it? Who steps up? And there's still plenty of guys to step up. Now, the thing I will say, they're now at the point, because of past recruiting woes at with, with Dell and being able to retain the current roster, you know, because I'm not feeling so bad right now. If Lawrence Keys is still on the roster, you know, uh, Xavier's right. probably still playing receiver anyway. If right. if you know if if things are a little different, uh, you know, you're in a situation where you now can't afford more. Like it's kind of like, okay, Lord, you've tested us enough. We're good, <laughs> right? Can you go test somebody else now? You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, but uh, they're they're certainly in a situation where. There's 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 op- options there, but the the margin for error is very thin yeah. at this point in time, very thin. And it's also as as we wrap it up, it's another really really important reason why Tyler Buckner needed to seize hold of the quarterback job because he is the neutralizer in those situations. Because what do they have in seventeen and fifteen that they haven't had the last couple of years? a quarterback that can flat out make plays with his legs. I'm talking about scrambling around. I'm talking about flat out. We're calling plays for you. Opponents have to treat you as almost like a borderline running back. That was the case with Brandon in 17. And they called a lot of run plays for Deshaun in 2015 as well. They like, they, they were running RPOs back in 15. Remember they would do that with Deshaun. They would do that. uh, the, The quick fade quick out and Deshaun would read it. And if they vacated, he would just quarterback draw. Yeah. You know, I mean, so you know, it, it's, it's, uh, that's kind of where they can be, you know? And so that's why I say Tyler's got to stay healthy. He's got to play well. There's options there, but they are. And it's also great why you have a great defense. And, and, I, and I'll say this, like you hear about the wide receiving core at Ohio state, mm-hmm. right? There's probably three dudes in that wide receiver room. 
I'm talking about dudes. Mm-hmm. They have really good players. Sure. Notre Dame has really good players in the sure. wide receiver room, right? We've identified at least one dude in our Lorenzo Styles Jr. is a dude. I think he showed late in the season he's going to sure. be a dude, and I think he takes the next step. Jaden Thomas has been talked about, right? From what the coaching and the staff, we have to yeah. see it, right? We, we have to see it. We think eventually. Tobias Merriweather is uh, going to be T- Tobias is a dude. Is a dude. Is he Absolutely. is he is he along far enough in his maturation as a player to be a dude today? Yeah. That's a question. That's Martin. a question. But he has but, a dude. But, you know, yeah. just on the grant, this just goes to the, the wealth of football talent around this country. There are a lot of really good football players spread out across college football. Yeah. The teams at the top have more dudes. Right. They're, every team has really good football players. Right. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame eventually have more dudes in certain positions that elevate their team. You go, we've talked about this. People talk about the talent of Notre Dame hasn't been there. You point it out all the time. It hasn't been the talent. Maybe at certain positions you can point out that talent has been better in other programs, but Notre Dame has been a good enough to go on the road and compete against Georgia. They've been good enough to beat Georgia at home when Georgia made the national championship game and lost to Alabama. Mm-hmm. They didn't get it done. Right. They were good enough with their second quarterback to go to Clemson and have a chance to take it to overtime. When number they, two quarterback, number two running back, absolutely. number two tight end. Absolutely. So this this – this narrative that Notre Dame doesn't have enough talent, hasn't yeah. had enough talent, stop. Right. Stop. Notre Dame has the talent. They're increasing the talent in recruiting. Now it's all about them making the plays in the moments. If they make the plays in the moments, in the Fiesta Bowl, they come away with the win. Point blank. It's not yeah. like they didn't have the opportunity. They had the opportunity. Now with this schedule, they have – three big opportunities to show that they've taken that next step and matured as a program and as as a team to not only compete, which they've done. You can't come into this Ohio state game saying they haven't competed in big games. They've shown they can compete in big games. Can they get over the hump and make the necessary plays to come away with the victory? That's the next step in the maturation of this program and this football team. They get a chance to show it. They believe, Brian. These players believe that they right. have everything they need to do. Right. It. And that's what the 15 team believed. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the 17 team believed. Yeah. This is something Marcus Freeman made a really interesting comment today. And, and I want to segue to the second topic here in a second. Uh, but Mark Marcus Freeman had a comment today where he he talked about they asked him about captains. And sometimes I just think coaches are like, why do you guys keep focusing on this? When I have captains, I'm going to name flipping captains. Like you'll need to keep, it's not like it was on his mind. Like, oh shoot. That's what I was supposed to do today. Dang it. Um, yeah. So here's who our captains are. You know, it's like, you could just kind of, do you saw, cause I know you're watching, you saw his face reaction. Like, yeah. okay. He, but he, he needs to get better at hiding his thoughts. Yes. <laughs> this is why I would not like to be in his shoes. Cause I do not hide my emotions at all. Uh, yeah. I don't wear them on my sleeve. I wear them as a big giant print on the front of my shirt. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, th- he made a comment like, look, if 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 we don't 
like have guys that are that are going to be here. It's going to be a long year, right? Like you can tell he has he knows he's got confidence in this team from a leadership yeah. standpoint. Yeah, I think that's a big part of this too. Those guys are going to have to step up. Guys are going to have to step up. Guys, some and step up means some guys are going to have to play better. Some guys are going to have to step into roles they weren't necessarily going to have next right. man in kind of thing. And we're going to find out if this team has the capability of doing that. And I'll say this. This is one of those things where Sean, this is either going to make this team better, or or it's you know it's gonna it's gonna be a something that keeps them from being as good as they could have been. Yeah. It's gonna be one or the other. It's not just gonna be business as usual. This is a, like, and that's the thing about situations like this. What kind of galvanizing effect does it have? You know, we've always talked about how, you know, if Malik would have stayed healthy in 2015, I believe they go and play for a championship that year. I, mm-hmm. I truly believe that. But then there's always the counter argument since we don't really know. But what if that team never developed sort of the edge that they did, that they had to do once they had all those injuries? It had to galvanize them. I say, well, you know, Mike. Well, they didn't look like they needed it against Texas. Yeah. But but you get the point that I'm making, right? Like, what or was it that team might have been worse if they didn't play with that edge after Malik and Torian and Durham went down and Jerron and Crawford <laughs> went down. So there's always these different types of ways to look at it. But like these things have a tendency to to either bring out your character well it's going to define your character as a football team one way or the other yeah it's going to enhance that character one way or the other what i mean by that sean is if your character is strong and unified and confident it's going to enhance it which makes you better if your character is not that it's going to enhance it and make it worse yeah is kind of where i'm coming from on that so that's kind of where i'm going to be and i and and uh Again, this is just uh, it, the timing of it sucks for Avery, but it's just like I kept thinking today, like, oh, I'm so happy that Harry he stands the O-line coach and Chancey yeah. Stuckey's the receiver's coach yeah. and that Marcus Freeman's the head coach because I'm so much more confident in this team being able to handle that than I than I maybe would have been if there were some of the, some of the same coaches back yeah. in this football team. Mm-hmm.